This podcast is part of the GWC Network. For more information on it or to check out some of our other awesome podcasts, visit us at galacticwatercooler.com. After the tone, enjoy the show. This is Modern Geek, podcast number 71, recorded January 21st, 2013. I'm Chuck. And I'm Juan. Welcome back to Modern Geek. You know, your, uh, your clean out of the, uh, the, the, uh, the junk room over the holidays has kind of inspired me to start going through my place. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I had that gigantic box o cables that i thought i had pared down a while back you're like you had i'm making finger quotes pared down and you're like yeah i don't need all this i found at keyboard adapters yeah that's really useful yeah oh yeah yeah. i'll use those someday right uh s video cables uh a couple of coaxes i don't have cable so and they're you know those are you know like dollar stores for (laughs) a dollar a dollar yeah what do you know yeah I had granted that's more expensive probably, for you, but hey, well, yeah, our dollar is worth quite a lot more. <laughs> no, but um, uh, I had like forty power cables. Forty, <laughs> yeah. Like, so I'm like, you know, I, I think I can keep ten. Yeah, I, could, I was right. gonna say you could probably live with ten. I mean, yeah. you know, and then, and then you know, like the obligatory um, <clears throat> bad network cables. You know, they're the I, ones with this, this, the, the, they're either pulled out from the end or the, <laughs> the tab snapped off, but it's like, oh, I might use them. So here's a, here's a funny little thing that I learned a long time ago. Um, playing in bands for years, you, are, you, you have two options with mic cables, right? Right. One is you can buy really good mic cables, and they're not cheap either. They're I mean, like, what, 30 times uh, a cheap cable? The cost of a cheap cable, right? Well, I mean, you're going to spend probably, I, I would venture to say, somewhere around, I don't know, um, 25 to 50 bucks for a 20-foot high-quality mic cable Yeah, that you could expect will work for a long time. It's going to have nice nutrient connectors on the end. It's going to be good quality cable in the middle. Uh, it's going to have really good connections that have carefully made and everything. Right. Good stuff. Or, you know, you can get cables from musicians friend for about a dollar 70 a piece and buy a billion of them (laughs) and when they die throw them away yeah Yeah. exactly and and that's what i really it's more like 40 at a time uh because you use a lot of them in a band setup i mean a lot of them and the thing is is you always need them to be longer right so you're you're plugging two or three of them together two of them really you shouldn't plug three of them together but (laughs) but yeah so the trick is though that means you're blowing through them pretty good like you expect any time i don't know maybe once a month you're going to have at least one bad cable this is assuming you take care of them reasonably well right you know so I have a tester, and the, my attitude was, is I bought cheap cables. I always had at least 10 or 15 spares. and my. But here's, here's where I'm going with this. The trick is, what do you do with a bad one? And what most people do is they look at it, and they throw it over to the side. They play their gig, and then they put it away with the rest of them. <laughs> Thus, you know, adding back. Perpetuating yeah. the <clears throat> process. Either one, you know, you end up in the middle of a gig with, with somebody's mic not working and looking like an ass, you know? Or so what I used to do, I, I learned this the hard way. I pull out my pocket knife, cut the cable in half. 
this is what I've been doing <laughs> with these network cables. Damn right. You know, cut it in half, and then if you can't throw it away immediately or something, fine. Or if you're like, oh, I might need the connector off this or whatever turns you on, right? Well, I, I actually came across uh, some USB micros, which were great because I'm like, oh, good. I've got a Nexus, and uh, that means I can charge it. Plug it into the charger, let it charge all night. doesn't charge at all, but it shows it's connected. So I'm like, okay, bad cable. <laughs> Clip. You know, just grab the scissors <laughs> off the desk, went snip. Threw it in the in the bin. So darken my you know darken my door no more. Exactly, it's like I'm done with bad cables. Um, yes. the The most embarrassing one was I came across a laptop bag with another bag. Um, twenty seven unidentified wall warts. That's awesome. You throw the whole DC thing away. Adapters? Um, I think there was one I kept because I figured out what it was for. But yeah, it's like. I, I've thought at one point it's like, oh man, these are annoying when you ha- when you don't have the right one and for the right voltage. But you know, twenty seven. I wrote this no, in a row. I wrote yeah. I wrote this post on it's thirty seven. I wrote. I this, <laughs> I wrote this post on uh, Toolmonger. I could probably find ten more if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, I wrote this post on Toolmonger last uh, last week and followed up again today actually. Uh, with about false frugality, right? Right? You know about the idea of you keep this stuff, and and you think, oh, I'm saving all this money by having the thing, and then you know you you like pat yourself on the back. You're like, oh wow, this thing, you know, I might get ten dollars selling this, and it's you know it cost me thirty to buy one. I'll hang on to this thing, and when I need it again, I'll save twenty five dollars. And you tally that up in the category of savings, and you move on, right? Forgetting that you're storing this thing for 10 years or whatever, right? Right. You know, it's it's taking space in your home or your car or your office or your bag or whatever, right? <clears throat> but I think where where this really ended up in, in the follow-up on Toolmonger, some people had some really good comments on the first post. And it got me thinking about it. And I think the trick is I like with, with tools and with tech gear, which is why I'm bringing it up here, I like to be this person that's ready for everything. Like... It would be nice, as some a number of people pointed out on Toolmonger, you know, if you go to start a project, you want to have that scrap material or the tools for it so you can just walk out there and start the project, right? Same thing with right. tech. You know, if you're like, hey, if my router goes bad, I want to be able to pull that old one out and fire it up, you know? Well, yeah, it becomes handy. It's like you, we built a projector mount out of spare scrap that was laying around. Exactly, you know, and, and it's the same way with tech. You want to be like... In a perfect world, you want to be ready to go to do pretty much anything you want to do without having to 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 have a big problem, right? Yeah. the The trick is though that at some point, you know, carrying the things around that you have to carry around to be able to do that becomes as much a hindrance as the value. Well, this is it exactly. I mean, I've got a four foot long case that used to hold tapes at my work that um, I it was filled with cables. And just sitting basically up against the cabinets in my kitchen for the last five years. Yeah. You're like, you know, um, I could have walked there for the last five years. Yeah. I move it and suddenly I'm like, oh, cool. Okay. Well, my parents are renovating. I could probably pawn it off on them as a storage box. (laughs) Get rid of this and get rid of 95% of the cables and put whatever's left in, in one of those old laptop bags, shove it in the cabinet underneath and be done with it. No, I'll admit, and, I mean, there's yeah. there's nothing wrong with keeping some things, you know, like I've well, never felt bad about keeping my old phones, not 27 unidentified wall warts, right. and 40 power cables. That's and the that, thing is that's it. Striking a balance. 
Yeah, exactly. It's like I'm I'm going to keep some of the stuff I'm going to use. Like a lot a lot of there's some AV cables and stuff that I would use were I rewiring my desk and that kind of stuff. A bunch of USB stuff that's still very useful. But it's, you know, at some point you just got to say, "Okay, I have Amazon Prime. Yeah. Cables are a buck 79 a piece for any anything under 6 feet." Yeah. What can I wait a day? Yes. Okay. I'll just get rid of a lot of this. Exactly. That's it. So congratulations, sir. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Well, I have a new Wi-Fi router around the house, which is... True gear! Yeah, indeed. Now, I mean, admittedly, I just kind of set it up and everything, so I haven't had a chance to really dig in yet. But, you know, I, I, I can't remember if we talked about this before, but I've always had kind of poor Wi-Fi around the house because it's it's a it's a pretty spread out I, mean, I live in texas so land is cheap and we have kind of spread out homes you know yeah and it, it's uh it's been a major pain in the ass you you have to hold your nose right if the microwave's on and and when you're streaming music to uh you know to uh the the airport express is around the house it'll it'll take a dump every now and then which is really frustrating you're jamming out and then it drops two beats you know <laughs> as you experienced when you were here recently multiple times yeah. <laughs> yeah so i did some reading and sure enough a lot of people had indicated that you know <clears throat> there's a big difference between good wi-fi routers and crappy wi-fi routers and well and especially the fact that out of circumstance you were forced to use the uh the wi-fi router built into the uh the adsl modem yeah. which is always you know, there's no protruding antenna on that even. So it's just, yeah. Yeah, it's sort of like, uh, you know, everything. And that that was from the fact that uh, Power Surge a while back fried a whole bunch of outboard gear uh, around <laughs> I think we got it all now. <laughs> I do. Over the over the holidays, I think we got rid of the rest of it. But uh, everything from uh, a TV and an Xbox to a, uh, a tuner amp and a, and two, uh, yeah, two network switch and yeah, a router two and, network uh, switches and oh, yeah, two, and, a, yeah. and uh two routers actually a couple and, of cables yeah. along the way too it's, it was bad so yeah anyway i was stuck with the uh the the junk two wire thing which is even worse than what i had before so i finally <laughs> invested in uh in a pretty nice one it's it's an uh what is it? it's the asus nc let's see uh now now i feel bad yeah that's because i kind of sprung it on you <laughs> That's okay. Uh, I'm gonna look it up here. Yeah. They, well, what it what it is is this one of these these new kind of multi uh, multi frequency multi SSID ah. routers that that are like complete deluxe with three antennas and everything. Right. What's the model number? It's the RTN66U. I knew that at one point. <laughs> yeah, like uh, 15 minutes ago. It's just it falls out of my head. Exactly. Uh, yeah, because it's time to record. <laughs> had good reviews online. I uh, was significantly more pricey than I'm used to paying for a uh, wireless router. However, uh, from what I read, should have maybe as much as twice the range. Uh, and and sure enough, if you look at at a picture of it, it it has three very large antenna on it. And uh, yeah, these are the high dB antennas, right? Like from they they look like the old like from back in the days of wireless B, where yes. they had. This- yeah, the big thick ones. They're yeah. freaking huge. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, and it has all the modern stuff that, that my old stuff just didn't have, like separate 2.4 and 5 gigahertz radios that can run at the same time. Um, 
you know, the ability, a real setup utility that doesn't suck. That was one thing that was really impressive. Like, I know I, I've in, for the longest time, I've been kind of just, well, use Linksys because, you know, they're backed by Cisco and the interface, I know it. Yeah, not so but, much anymore. No, their 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 low end consumer gear has gotten kind of really flaky, and their firmware has gotten to the point where at one point last year or the year before they, I think it was last year they updated everyone's firmware remotely. That meant you had to go onto their website to configure your router, which, wow. as anybody with you know five minutes worth of common sense could figure out, that's not the best thing if you're having problems with your router and you're trying to configure it. And they say, go to the website to configure it. And the router is preventing you from accessing the internet. Yeah, funny that. Go figure. So I, they, they did back that off. But ever since then, I've kind of gone, well, wait a minute. What are they doing with these? And I'm actually pleasantly surprised with seeing how, how this, this Asus one, like, like you said, we haven't played around with it much, but it's got a, it's got a nice interface. Yeah, I, I, was, I was really uh, kind of shocked, actually at the fact that it's it's reasonably modern it it configured itself almost entirely on its own when we started which was which was crazy well to to set the scene for the listeners here i i i had asked um i was gonna, we, this router was supposed to be set up as an access point only so it just connects to the network serves up a wireless signal but then all the router functions still go through the uh through the the service provider's router. Right. And normally, like with a Linksys or a D-Link or something like that, it's, it's pretty hard to set up a router to do that because you actually have to kind of log into it and Disable turn off DHCP of, yeah. and turn off DNS forwarding and all this other crap and get it into a mode where it will, it will just sit on the network only providing it. But the Asus tools, the second question was, Oh, so do you want this to be a router or do you want this to be an access point? And that was just like mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, and it did it too. It was really. And I was, uh, I was watching the screen over FaceTime. <laughs> I can't. Uh, I can't attest yet uh, as to its overall performance. But when I dropped the uh, the Airport Express, that was the farthest away from it, and it's a good. I don't know, probably 40 feet away from it. Through about five walls. Yeah, exactly. It's the other, far other side of a house on the first floor, you know? And a floor, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually in the garage, out way on the edge, <laughs> sticking out from the side of the house almost. And it's the farthest you can get away from it while still, still being still be house. technically in the house. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and, and uh, it showed excellent coverage there. So uh, Versus good or fair or whatever. yeah fair so anyway i'm i'm pretty excited i'm looking forward to uh seeing how it works yeah what one thing that really kind of piqued my interest on that was the uh guest mode for the wi-fi the uh, the ability to set up a client wi-fi i mean we haven't tested this yet but it's 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 pretty cool like actually you know, you set up three of them yes you can yeah. <laughs> i think it's on three each on one. each frequency yes. yeah on 2.4 and on five and the coolest part was, you know, this is that thing that proxies its own private network through your router. And then, you know, you, people at a party, for example, can have Internet but not access all of your personal machines. Like it. Which is good because a lot of the time, you know, internal home network security isn't exactly your top priority. And you don't want necessarily just random people's potentially virus-ridden gear to get all 
exactly. all uppity with your, with your network. So the, what I thought was cool about that, though, is that you can turn it on, give it its own custom name, and give it an expiry. So you can say, like, you know, like, New Year's party expires in 24 hours. <laughs> and then that way, you know, people can't do drive-bys later and access your network because you've left it on. It just turns itself back off after a set period of time. I thought that was actually really it's awesome. smart. Yeah, it's awesome. It's, in fact, it effect- effectively makes the access point a disposable access point. Right, yeah. I, I was thinking that I, I would probably configure that so uh so that the people who come over and use my network regularly will continue to use the old one which will be a guest network and and uh like you said configure for parties and so on of course the joke is uh that's the new that's the new the, turning the lights off you know it's like uh when the wi-fi goes dead party's over get out you don't have to go home but you can't connect here <laughs> exactly <laughs> so um I had a th- an issue with my uh, Harmony remote. Oh, yeah? um, it wasn't anything hardware related or anything, but I did have to um, reconfigure some of the options. Um, it was it was modifying some uh, some remote commands to get them to work with Plex, and I discovered something really cool. The when when was the last time you had actually ha- have actually seen the uh, the Harmony remote configurator? It's been a Pro- while, yeah, a couple of years probably. I don't know, at least a year. Actually, that's not true. I, I went in and, and looked at it probably two months ago when I was fixing one in the bedroom right before I ditched it. Okay, so you might have seen this, the, the, the myharmony.com or whatever. Yeah. The, the updated site. It is ridiculously better than it used to be. Yeah, it's a big plus. I agree. Yeah, it's like it, all the stuff that you kind of had to learn the quirks of to get different modes configured correctly like oh no you have to go to options here and then go reconfigure and you know for for setting various volume locks and that kind of stuff all of that stuff has been straightened out they've gotten rid of all of the the options that don't mean anything and that all the stuff that made it very confusing to use and laid it out very easily and also let you configure multiple remotes per account which is nice because I've also got one for the bedroom, and now I don't have to log in with separate accounts anymore. I can just see my list of re- of uh, remotes and and configure them. I just wanted to point out that if anybody had tried to configure a Harmony remote within you know like a year or more ago and got frustrated with it, uh, and are subsequently working on a substandard remote setup, try it again because it is it is fantastic. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'll definitely check it out. Hey, I have an update uh, on the awesome Android Reader app, Press. Okay, yeah, this this is... You've used I, it, right? I, I've used it. However, I keep going back to just the normal Google Reader app because of a couple quirks that I found with it. Okay, what are those? Um, well, the, the flipping back, but mainly it's the one of, of having to flip between articles where I'd have to back out of each article and... You know, with Google Reader, I can just kind of scroll through them, but like article to article to article. Mm-hmm. Um, that was an issue, and sometimes it seemed like it was out of sync quite a bit, where I'd have to kind of get it to force it to to resync. So, actually, that's true with uh, Reader as well. You you just have to click the 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 last uh, one, little refresh thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, however. 
they they came out with an update very recently, and I, I want to say this was like uh, the middle uh, end of last week. Okay, does that sound about right? I I think. And I was looking for the exact uh, list of features, but there were a couple of absolutely key ones that just... Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I just launched it, and it said, we've made some changes. <laughs> I've got that's the list exactly, of changes right that's here. What, I had screen capped that, and that's what I was looking for. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll, I'll read them out for you if well, you like. Okay. Um, uh, quick article navigation. Use the quick navigation bar to quickly go to next previous article. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's essentially a list of things Chuck had problems with. with- <laughs> they should... Yeah. We've made some chuck changes, yeah. Um, Background automatic syncing, so you can sync at intervals and choose whether you do it over cellular data or not. That's handy. Sync on app launch, so it automatically syncs when you come back into the app. I will turn that on. That's nice. Uh, Background sync notifications, uh, new text alignment options. So it looks like they've cleaned that up a little bit, so I guess it makes things a little more readable. Yeah, the big the big ones here are the the navigation, which they uh, you know whereas on uh, uh, you have one at the bottom, I believe, of Reader on the iPhone on the left on Reader on the iPad. This one is on the bottom right, uh, so okay. it's an up down arrow that kind of tabs up and over a tiny bit, and you can just sit there with your holding it with your right hand and just click it and go down through them. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, other other huge advantages, you can have it auto-sync every time you open, but you can also have it background sync. And I have found this to be incredibly useful because you have not only the ability to set it to background sync, but also the ability to tell it to background sync only when it's on Wi-Fi, for example. Yep. Uh, you know, whereas you can tell it don't sync pictures uh, on Reader, it's either it syncs when it wants to or when you tell it to. Uh, and I found this to be really cool. I've, I have background sync turned on and I've left it on Wi-Fi only and it just sits there and, and you'll notice actually notifications every so often it'll say, I, I got, you know, 500 new items nice. and, uh, when you open it up, it's always current, you know, you can just go See, in that's- and. Yeah, that's that's the one thing that you always have to do with these readers is like start it and then wait a second to see where all the uh, all which feeds have new information. So, so the, that background is, is actually really good. Damn right. And so the things that make press actually a little bit, believe it or not, better than reader right now, um, which is which is crazy, right? Yeah. Uh, is okay. Number one in press, you have along the left side on the tablet, you have all of your folders. When you click on a folder, you see on the right side in little individuals, individual squares, you see in all subscriptions and then all of the items individually in that folder. So, right. for example, if I go to, uh, you know, if I go to uh, what's a good one here, uh, you know, uh, academic. Okay, fine. So I have the Neiman Journalism Lab. I have. Uh, Prof Hacker. I have I have uh, the Center for uh, Center for the Future Civic Media blog from MIT. Right, right. All of these are there. I can click on one of those, and I instantly enter read mode, which has articles down the left, and and uh, and art, and then the article itself on the right, kind of like Reader on the iPad in landscape mode. Right. The, okay, I, I see what you mean. Yeah. The difference being, though, that unlike 
where the reader where you only have the articles on on the left either you turn it up and you're look in 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 uh portrait mode you're looking at just the articles and you have to tap on each one and then it replaces the screen and you can deal with it uh in this case you get all of them down the left and you have a slide panel for the article on the right so if you if you slide if you tap one it slides the panel in from the right if you slide back uh, you can slide back over whenever you want to, or you can tab up and down. So it's actually real easy to sit there and slide back and forth and up and down and just read without ever actually using a lot of the, like tapping the top of the screen or, or, or things like that. That's handy. It is. It is really easy to use. Combine this with the fact that, you know, all subscriptions works just like on the, you know, the iPad version of reader where you can just read everything in a group. Like I have, for example, Apple related and Android related blogs in separate folders, uh, groups, whatever you want to call them. Right. And then you can just click on that cat on that label and have it read them all. You know, you put them all in. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. I see also that um, the article title is also included now when you go to sharing. Yeah. Um, that's a good one because that, that was one of the ones that I'm like, okay, well, I, I pump stuff out of Reader at a, at a fairly regular pace into Twitter or something like that. And if it doesn't have the... <laughs> so that, that's, that's interesting. This, Absolutely. I you, might actually start using this again. <laughs> I'm telling you, yeah. Uh, I, I, it, that combined with the enhanced share features inherent to Android... Um, to at least to 4.2. Yeah. Man, this is really the best way to read RSS feeds, period. Yeah. And because it's tied to Google Reader beautifully, uh I can I can read fine on the iOS devices with Reader if I want or Reader on the desktop, which is a great way to do it or, you know, wherever the hell you happen to be directly via Google Reader. I mean, this is cool. Anyway, wow. it, it it's a key app for me and and I had a couple of fairly large objections to the way it worked and they fixed them <laughs> all in one I'm put, shot. <laughs> I'm putting this back on my, uh, on my internet pay, page. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pulling, uh, I'm pulling Google reader out of here and putting this one back. In. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. I'm a, fan. it is. I'm a total fan. That's awesome. So, um, I've got kind of a guilty confession here. Shoot. I think I might start to like windows eight. Cool. Why? <laughs> <laughs> well, and this is the hope okay. always with new new systems. They come out; they're very different. the The direction that they've chosen to go isn't always clear or usable, and it takes a while to figure it out. So you got to kind of dick around with it, you know. Yeah, I, I I talked to my brother about this, who's actually gone full out on the desktop, straight to Windows eight. Wow. Um, well, it was more about putting a legitimate license on there. Than oh anything. crap! Okay. Um, he had an XP license, and and made the huge leap up to there with the $40 deal that's still on until the end of January. Oh, nice. Um, but I, I installed my TV box fresh um, with a copy of Windows 8, and I kind of like it. Um, the, uh, the, that little panel display suits the TV, um, the TV experience really well. Um, that being said, I do have a keyboard and mouse plugged into the the uh the the machine that i have on the uh, table by my couch here but it is okay the weird thing is is that i've never really used the start button ever since they introduced it back in like 1995 i mean i've used it for like command or you know like windows e or windows r for 
for starting up Explorer or Run Command, but right. not actually hit the start button to have the start uh, what was the start button menu. come up, right? Start menu, yes. Wow, I forgot the word menu. That's fantastic. Um, never had it just to, to do that, but when you're using Windows 8, and especially if you're still using a large majority of desktop apps where it's not that kind of Metro-style full-screen thing, you basically just use the Windows button kind of like Alt-Tab, is that you can, you can kind of just hit that. It brings up the home screen. You click on another app you're using. It switches. If you're, if you're in desktop mode and that's all you're using, you really don't notice it. I mean, you, you launch the desktop. You go in. And, I mean, who use, I, 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 don't, I don't think I've ever really used the start menu in Windows 7 other than to get to, to you know, my computer to, to look at the device list or to the control panel or something like that. And those can be, you know, tacked to the, to the task bar. So having that start button gone, that's actually not that big of a deal for what, um, from for what, what it's found. worth, though. I, I think for me anyway, the lack of start button was not really the stuff that, that worried me. Well, I think, I think the way that I'm using it here is kind of a, if I had to go to it, could I use this the same way I do with Windows 7? right now and i think the answer is yes i could very easily get away with that i'm not using it in the full-on this is our new windows experience this is metro you must you know if an app runs full screen you can have it run in a third of the screen or two-thirds of the screen but or the whole screen but no windows that kind of thing Mm. i'm not using that part of it yet but as a tv box and as as a machine where i'm just you know the odd time of you know there's, there's the odd time that you do want to run Internet Explorer on your TV or, or not Internet Explorer, but, you know, um, a web browser. And the Internet Explorer in Metro is actually pretty nice and Plex runs really well on it. Um, they actually even have a Metro Plex app. Nice. Ironically called Metro. Yeah, it's three bucks on the Microsoft Store. It's not quite up to the level of the the full-on Plex app, like it still does some weirdness on the transcoding on the back end. My server can't quite can't handle it. But you can install the desktop version there as well, and then it just becomes like any other Plex box. So I would say that if anybody's looking for cheap Windows licenses right now, you could really get away with putting a $40 Windows 8 on it, even if you're not ready to use Metro, and still be fine with it. Nice. Hey. And that's a good first step. I mean... <laughs> I went and bought another $40 license to eventually put on my desktop machine when I want to take the plunge. I haven't put it on there yet, but, you know, I think, I think you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to work out. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens, and I, I'm going to have to set one up to be able to figure it out myself. But yeah. I, I know we got to wrap up, and there, there's a, an important question that, that uh, we definitely wanted to ask to see if any listeners had suggestions. Indeed, I've delved into the realm of trying to get music syncing to an Android device. Um, and the two things I have gotten held up on, I've been trying out Double Twist, I've been trying out Winamp, um, all very, there's a lot of really good ways of doing it, even file sync. The, the, the trick I'm trying to find is, one, how do I sync playlists from Android back to a PC or Mac? And secondly, how do I sync if it's possible, sync files purchased on an Android device back to the Mac and send them 
back into iTunes. And those are the two parts that I'm really getting uh, held up on. I'm probably going to come back to this in a, in a later episode and kind of walk through the full steps. But if, if anybody's throwing music on their Android device right now and they have a real good trick on how to do it, please let me know, Juan at GalacticWaterCooler.com, because I'm actively trying out software at the moment to get it working. I'm pretty interested in that. I have another one to add to that very quickly, which is that uh, I've been looking at using the uh, – I've been trying to get used to using uh, the Nexus 7 for note-taking. Now, I'm pretty good at that Ooh, with yeah. my iPad. And just to give you kind of a, a feel for how I approach it on the iPad, I use Evernote to store and organize notes. But I've never trusted Evernote for taking notes. I mean, it, it's always been crashy. It's very likely to cross-sync or screw up your notes somehow or lose them. And and it's just too important when you're taking notes somewhere to know that the, you, you need to know that those notes are going to be saved. Not, you want to make the notes locally on the device and then sync them later exactly. if you so choose to. So yeah. generally, my attitude has been to use Evernote for organizing those kinds of things. Use other apps for for actually recording them, and I use a variety of apps on on the iPad uh, to you know I, obviously the the standard built in note Notepad app, which is quite good for just basic text. I have another one that I use for drawing and and taking notes in that style. I have one okay. that makes it easy to do handwriting. I have another app that is good at uh, uh, well, you get the idea. And each of these then very easily exports directly into Evernote. So whatever I'm doing, I just pow, pop it into Evernote. When I'm done, I don't even worry about how the app takes, you know, organizes the notes or anything. Uh, I tried to do this easily on the uh, on the Nexus 7. The first thing I noticed is that there is no Note, Note app on it from stock. Uh, you have to go find one. I grabbed huh. a couple of the free ones, one recommended by a friend and so on, and was uh, very disappointed right off the bat. It was kind of like a bad copy of the Notepad app. And, and while it was simple and I liked the idea, it was recommended to me as, hey, it doesn't have a bunch of junk in it, which is great. Um, the the problem was is the cursor would disappear a lot of times. It'd still be there, but you couldn't see it, you know. And little annoying things that made it really freaking difficult to keep track of while you were trying to listen to something else and take notes. I think I'm going to be able to find one to do text. I'm not sure with the others. There are some out there I know already that are very uh, like handwriting recognition and all this crazy stuff. I don't need that. I just would like to one that would let me draw very easily and get that into Evernote. And I'd like one that would let me take text and get that into Evernote and so on. So if you have any suggestions, feel free to drop them my way. Again, uh, Chuck at GalacticWaterCooler.com, or you can send them to Juan. I'm sure he wants to know this too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Same That's with probably me. next on my list after the music. <laughs> exactly. We're going to be sharing uh, notes, assuming I can get them to not go away. Indeed. So uh, anything to add in wrapping up? That's about it. Awesome. Uh, we will see you next week. From everyone here at Modern Geek and GWC, thanks for listening. If you have something to add to the show, a news tip, feedback on anything we've discussed, or just some random awesomeness, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 214-296-9229. That's 214-296-9229. And follow the instructions there to leave us a message for inclusion in a future podcast. You'll find other GWC podcasts, as well as the friendliest people in geekdom, on the GWC website and forum, galacticwatercooler.com. And don't forget, financial support from listeners like you keep all GWC podcasts on the net each week. To find out how to donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash donate.